You know, on one hand you have an abuser, but on the other hand you have what seems like a willing victim. And I will say I never felt like a victim. While his, you know, treatment wasn't acceptable, I was also doing things that wasn't acceptable. And, and the bottom line is, is that I was tricking myself into believing I didn't have the power and control to make a change. I always could have walked out of that situation. I always could have quit. I didn't believe it at the time that I had it in me or I needed to maybe gather some other tools. And for me, bottom line is I needed God. It gave me everything. I didn't need my parents anymore. It was okay that they were gone. Like I had the one thing that I could trust that I knew was with me wherever I went and was real. Our lives are often filled with worry and chaos as the media propagates one negative story after another, bringing divide and tension within topics such as politics, religion, and race relations. These stories fuel hatred and confusion while people continue to live in fear. Yet through all this negative energy, many are delivering messages of wisdom and hope, encouraging positive change, and that's something I'm aiming to do. My name is Roger Brooks, and I'm hopeful for our future, but we must be the change and not be a spectator in life, looking from the outside in. For as long as I could remember, I've been fascinated by people's stories. Stories speak to us, and since the beginning of time, the human race has prospered by passing down wisdom told through the essence of story. It's a way for people to aspire to become the hero they know they could be, seeing their higher self through the wisdom of others. What started out as a hobby has quickly turned into my life mission, and as I deliver a new guest each Sunday, I'll aim to prompt the questions you may be thinking, and through the power of listening, I'll allow the guest to speak and articulate their points of view in order to give you the headspace you need to realize your own hero's journey. We are one race. We are one people. Help spread the word about American Real, and together, let's make great stories go viral to inspire, enlighten, and empower those we love and the masses we hope to reach.
This week on American Real, we bring you our very first episode from our new studio and welcome Ayana Del Valle, a gifted and soulful singer who gives us an intense view into her story of a wonderful upbringing in her musically inclined family. Her mother a dancer and father a vocalist musician, Ayana was heavily influenced by her parents as well as the likes of Ella Fitzgerald. After losing both of her parents in her early 20s, and within a short time span, Ayana got caught up in turmoil until she was able to pull herself out in what she attributes to her relationship with God. This is an episode that will keep you glued from start to finish, so sit back, relax, as I welcome the very talented Ayana Del Valle. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Ayana Del Valle a dynamic musician whose soulful voice and sparkling personality have delighted listeners throughout the U.S. and the Caribbean. You were rooted in Latin music, trained in traditional jazz, and have been influenced by the contemporary sounds of pop dance music. You've been described as the Latin Alicia Keys for similarities such as vocal range and quality, composing, arranging skills, and extensive musical training. Ayana. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Roger. It's wonderful to have you here. When I heard you sing uh, the national anthem at a, at a luncheon, I was just blown away by the voice, the reach, the range, and, and, and the amount of energy and love that you put into your song. Thank you. Where does it come from? You know, I have a real personal... Um, connection to the national anthem. I f really feel like I'm there. I really try to picture myself on, on a ship watching and witnessing the entire scene every time that I perform it. And I do sing it with a lot of pride for our country. Yeah, yeah it comes from the heart. And it's not an easy song to sing. It's not, no. I mean, we see the, the blunders all over YouTube of, of professionals who have yeah. tried and failed. Yeah, absolutely. And I certainly have had my blunders as well. But I really think that um, being true to the story, it, it just, you know, being in the moment really has allowed me to, I think, make less mistakes when it comes to performing the song. And walk us through it. When you're at an event or at a ball game or wherever you may be yeah. performing. Um, how are you preparing beforehand? How are you preparing, preparing mentally for, for, that, for that moment? I mentally, it's, it's actually more spiritual than anything. I kind of try to shut the brain off because the brain can really get in the way. Do I look okay? Am I gonna make a mistake? Who's watching? Um, and so I really turn to spirit and I pray. I do something called Hue, which is an ancient love song to God. And I sing Hue, it's, it's sort of like, um, it's comparable in a way to Om. Yes. And it's very calming, very relaxing, and it serves like a tuning fork to Can you give us an example? Spirit. Absolutely. Um, I really find it effective when I think of something I'm grateful for first. So I'll do that and then I will send that gratitude back out in my hue, which is, sounds like this. Hue. 
and just repeat it over and over and send that love and intention out and get connected with the bigger picture that I, I know is going on. So I have to just say that a lot of people, I guess that I grew up with, that are just out there in general, when they hear things like this, they think it's just off the wall. They think it's, what is, you know, it doesn't make, but a lot, there's, a, there's so much positive energy that comes from a practice, yeah. as you just mentioned. And I think the more people that are exposed to it, or someone that's never heard of this, and then they yes. practice it, it, it could really change the whole dynamic of, no matter what you do in life, right? Absolutely, and I'm, I'm so, it's great that you're, you took it to that place because it really is a practice for me on a daily basis. Before I came, before I came here, um, I really tried to set my intentions and connect with, um, with God and whatever that means because I don't think that God can be put in a box. I think it's beautiful and different for every person. Um, I've shared Hugh with a lot of students of mine, friends of mine, and I've just found it to be um, a beautiful, effective tool for connecting, for sort of overcoming the mental challenges that we all can get bogged down by. And it is a practice. And the more that I do it, it's changed my life. It literally has changed my life to practice singing you. That's powerful. And the one word that comes to mind as you're talking is, I'm sure there needs to be consistency. You can't do it once <laughs> and expect you're your wise. whole life to change, right? You're wise. It's so true. It comes with consistency. And um, I actually am I'm very grateful to have a spiritual mentor, um, Prophet Del Hall, and he has taught me exactly that. That's one of the things I'm, that I'm practicing is being consistent because of its effectiveness, consistency. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's like anything in life. We, we can't just try something and expect everything to change. So how long did you have to practice this for it really to be noticeably effective for you? You know, I remember the first time that I, I um, actually sang here, it was at a studio, music studio downtown Binghamton. A friend of mine um, shared it with me. And um, he's also a student where I go to learn spiritual um, ways at the Nature Awareness School in Virginia. Quite the trek, but worth it. Um, and he, uh, I remember at that time, I felt something. I felt peace in the very least for just a few moments. And I thought, okay, you know, there's something to this. Um, and uh, I continued to just make attempts. You know, at first it was a little awkward, right, for anybody. It's something, starting something new. You're comp stepping out of your comfort zone. But um, not too awkward. It felt right. And the more that I did it, the easier it became. I found myself hewing for 20 minutes straight, not wanting to stop. Um, I actually have had some pretty unbelievable spiritual experiences. Um, can you talk about it? I can, I can. Um, 
Well, for, um, for example, um, one day I was singing you and I happened to fall asleep. And in that um, dream state, I actually heard what I believe is the voice of God say to me, actually it was a question. In the most beautiful voice I heard, will you sing for me please? And I woke up and was like, it, and I didn't see anything. It was, simp it was, it was actually an audio, audible voice. Um, and I believe that that was, you know, God speaking to me at that time. And I don't think I would have had that experience had I not been healing first. Before you went into rest. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And that's just one of so many, um, many, many experiences. There's actually some books um, out that my teacher, students of the school actually have. He's simply collected testimonies from students and put them into books. Um, what, there's like a series of five testimonies of God's love. And it's just completely non-denominational. There's no you should or you shouldn't or this is how it should be. You know, there's no to the, that stuff. It's just really from the heart experiences that students have shared um, that have changed their lives for the better and just in hoping that in making these books the hope is that others will start to maybe find something that will they can take and in integrate into their lives too. sure and we'll definitely share those links if you'd like to, oh, to yes. give them to us so others can can hopefully benefit from them it's really changed my life I've experienced healing um, yeah beautiful things that's great so Okay, so that's your preparation. Prep. That's the prep. Now you're actually going to the event. What, yeah. what mindset do you have? What's, what's happening? The mindset is, you know, and I hate, I don't want to sound repetitive, but is how can I be an instrument? Like, I want to deliver something good to people. And so that's my mindset. Just, I want, I want to be the instrument. And the beauty of being a vocalist is that you really are musically speaking you are an instrument sure. um, <clears throat> so that's that's my goal that's my preparation I want to honor our country you know I take a lot of pride in singing the anthem I do feel that it is a, a high honor and um, and that's what I take when I go out and I love it and I love I love this song musically as well I love how dramatic it can be um, in the music as well that, that goes very low and then it builds and it gets high and you know those big long notes and I've, I've definitely um, found a way to make it my own and express it something very dear to me so and I it, it's just wonderful and then I only get positive feedback most of the time yeah. and that's always nice it's just nice to know that others you know, people tell me they're moved to tears. I always say, if you're a performer and someone tells you that you move them to tears, it's the best. You're like, yes. You did your job. I made them cry. Yeah. No, but it's mostly tears of joy or maybe tears of release, of relief. Um, it's something good. Mm -hmm. And that makes, that's where I find the most satisfaction. No, and you have made it your own. I like the way you sequence it. And do you do it pretty much the same every time? I've got a couple of 
tricks that I like to put on it each time, but it, honestly, it, it's different every time. I think that's something I really um, am grateful to have drawn out of my jazz training, the art of improvisation, and really being in the moment. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say, because the energy of that moment may change yes. from venue to venue, depending yeah. on where you are and what the acoustics may be, et cetera. Oh, acoustics make a big difference. Stadiums are tricky because of the delay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Um, but yeah, audiences, that's my favorite part. Yeah. Audiences. So take us back. When did all this begin? It sounds like you were brought up in a musically inclined home. Yes. Tell yeah. us about it. So um, Puerto Rican family, uh, grandparents from Puerto Rico, parents from New York City, and um, they came up to BU, and you know when it was um, Harper College. Okay, sure. Yeah. Maybe in the Back 70s. In the 70s. Sure. Yep, 70s. So um, they brought a lot of that culture into our home. It was a lot of salsa and Latin jazz and jazz. My father was a vocalist. He grew up singing doo-wop, you know, in the stairway mm -hmm. of, uh, of the apartment buildings. And yeah, um, so he trained my sister and I from really young to harmonize. We were always doing, you know, three-part harmonies from a young age. I think I was about three when I was starting to harmonize. Are you younger or older? Old, uh, younger. Okay. Yep, she's three years older than me. My sister, Taina Asili, she goes by now. She's also um, an up-and-coming, big-time artist. Great. Yeah, so she's, I've always kind of followed in her footsteps in a lot of ways. She always sang the lead, and I kind of was always the harmonizer backup, you know, looking at my big sister with big eyes. And it's probably hard as a, as a younger sister, right, feeling the pressure of that, with, even within the family of, I have to do good. Yeah, yeah, totally. I actually... Um, was like the good child. She was a bit of a the rebel. So I was always just trying to go with the flow, keep the peace, be cool. And so I was really soft-spoken in my music too. Um, so the jazz influence was what I really took to. She ended up, she was trained in opera and then sang punk rock. She trained. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I went from some classical training to in our home training of doo-wop and jazz and just straight into jazz. My dad gave me an Ella Fitzgerald CD at 16 that I took to, I was always, you know, it's funny, like, um, I'm trying to think of one. There's all these songs that have famous saxophone solos, famous guitar solos. I'm always singing along to the instrumental solos. And the words, I could, I could take them or leave them a lot of times. Now, am I older, you know, as I'm older, more mature, I appreciate lyrics more, but my inclination was always toward the melodies and music. So Ella Fitzgerald, who, if you know, aren't totally familiar, is a oh, major yeah. scat singer, sure. improviser. Um, and she had this smooth, buttery voice. So that really was just natural for me to gravitate to. And, um, you know, I think, you know, so that, that's what really led me into deciding to um, pursue jazz, uh, a jazz concentration. So when you're a kid and your dad is teaching you, yeah. um, do you have to have some natural ability or do you think how much is natural, how much is taught? There's a combination. When basically, scientifically, between the ages of zero, like in the womb until you're about seven years old, your brain is learning, to, is developing 
the ability to um, produce the sound that it hears, and I'm, I can't really uh, put the scientific terms on that right this minute, but that's the basic gist of it. So there's so much that you can be taught. And even still, even beyond that, you can still be taught some things, but if you ever heard the, the, the saying tone deaf, someone's tone deaf, it's probably that they weren't exposed to a lot of music from a young age, and so they didn't learn that. It's a lot like with languages when, um, you know, for example, in Asia and the in Chinese, you know, it's hard to say the R, the hard right. R that we have. Because we, they're learning it later in life. Yeah, they're learning it later in life, a lot of them, and their body, their brain didn't develop that, you know, the muscle mm -hmm. connection to, to speak that way. So some of it is learned, but um, a lot of it, I think, was a gift from God, too. I think that talent is a real thing you know we all are just born with certain strengths and um, music was definitely something that my family had going for it yeah, yeah and you think about the famous families the the Jacksons oh my gosh you know, yeah and you know so I'm thinking about your sister and you you're yeah. both you know yeah. you have that you have that ability you have that talent that yes that God-given gift God-given gift and I will say you know my father too a lot of people struggle with stage fright. They have gifts, but they're afraid to use them. Being in the family that setting that I grew up in, we just performed all the time. It was so natural. And I think it's also part of the Puerto Rican culture. You know, just everybody just sings. It doesn't matter if you're good or not. <laughs> My mother, we used to tease her because she wasn't always on point. <laughs> but um, she was a dancer. That was really her main and and uh, visual artist as well very creative in general but it, it was part of the culture you know every weekend we had people coming over to the house it didn't matter who you know just it was like a revolving door it was beautiful we had the congas we had shakers we had clave um you know all uh, guitars and just everybody singing and having a good time that's so awesome yeah it was it was awesome do you was there ever pressure at that time or did no. you just love it oh my gosh just loved it it was mm -hmm. so natural and you know my father training us there was never any pressure to do it and even though he did try to push us in ways like i remember him always saying like when we were practicing because we would perform like for occasions as well like someone's wedding or so we'd practice something and make sure we were tight and um, he'd be like Jan use your ears use your ears like he taught us to listen and he was always so gentle it was never like poor Jackson fives right. like you know right. it wasn't right. abusive in any way it was just natural fun bonding expressive I could see all of that it's just incredible <sighs> and now you have the chance to pass this on, right? Yes, yes. So I have a, well, I, I have a seven, six-year-old son, and I have a six-year-old niece. My sister and I gave Great. birth two days apart. Oh, wow. And I also have um, an almost 16-year-old nephew. So we are absolutely passing these traditions as much as possible onto our kids. Um, my son loves to sing. He does. He's, yeah. That's oh, my great. gosh. He's always singing stuff. He makes up songs. Um, he loves to dance and oh, well, dancing was a big part of it all too. Just letting loose, you know, and, and he does all of that. He loves being part of a musical family. I'm downstairs working on an arrangement or something and he comes downstairs. We actually learned a song on the piano together. Um, I don't know, have you seen A Star Is Born yet? No, but my kids have. They, Did they? They love it. I 
loved it yeah. too. Loved yeah. it. I thought it was it was beautiful. As a matter of fact, they went they went twice. Did they? I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it's a beautiful film and Lady Gaga and um, Brandley Cooper they really did a great job with the music too. I and heard they, he was incredible. I mean she's obviously incredible on her own, but he he did great for not being a. He tr and you know what talking about learning can you learn it as a talent? He trained for a year. Wow. To do what he did, um, and so it was he pulled it off. He pulled it off, but and you talked to you know I've watched interviews with Lady Gaga and and he and. She'll say, you know, he really had something already going for him. And as a songwriter as well, those are gifts, mm -hmm. you know. And, um, yeah, so my son and I took one of their songs, and I was playing it on the keyboard, and he learned the bass line, and it was, it was just really neat. That's awesome. To see him. He's all, he, I catch him practicing it on his own now. And as he gets older, I'm sure that'll only, you know, yeah. enhance as far as his abilities and, and taking it maybe further. Yeah, yeah. And I just encourage him to do whatever it is that his heart desires. He's got a list of like 15 things he wants to be sure, someday, sure, sure. which is great. So we talked about God-given talent. You yeah. alluded a little bit earlier to spirituality, you yes. know, and talk about your faith. Like where, how, how deep is this um. and rooted in, in you? It is my priority in life. It is my purpose. It's where I find my purpose. Um, so my parents believed in God, but there was no definition of that, and there was no practice around it. Um, you know, there was some Catholic, go to the church here and there, you know, Easter and stuff like that, and then that kind of faded out. My, I think both of them had some bad experiences in the church and um, decided to just take a general spiritual route. And they didn't want to shove that down, you know, my, my sister and I's throat. So that's a little extreme. But they just didn't want to pressure us mm -hmm. to, um, to, to do anything in that realm. And then they actually... Um, grew ill and passed away. When I was 24, my mother, um, she had a liver transplant. She had had hepatitis C. Oh my gosh. Both my parents were, you know, in the 70s, they partied and they contracted hepatitis C um, and turned their lives around amazingly. That's a, their story is incredible. But... Um, so they both died of the same thing. Different, actually, but very close in timing. So my mother um, needed a liver transplant. The hepatitis C was destroying her liver. She, within a month of being on the list, got a transplant. It's a pretty intense thing. You have to be sure. transported in four hours. You have to basically have the surgery within the liver being available. So we didn't even know she was on the list. And next thing we know, she's being shipped out to Pittsburgh. Um, so she had the surgery, and two weeks later, she developed a blood clot, and Sorry. she passed. Oh, boy. So I was 24 and living in New York City at the time. And, you know, it, it, was, it was devastating in a lot of ways. It really was. Um, and so I was feeling lost. You know, I lost one of my main foundational uh, figures. And then shortly thereafter, my father was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer. Oh, God. So, and we were, you know, we were a close family, so this was really, really devastating. But at the same time, so he was about to start treatments here in Endwell. 
and uh, my mom, you know, he's mourning my mother, he's alone. My sister has, was raising her young son in Albany at the time. So it just made sense for me to come home. So I left my um, career in New York. I was pursuing music and doing really well and had a great place. Things were, it was awesome, but I gotta tell you, something was missing from my life and I knew it then too. And it was a relationship with God. And so despite my life seeming to like it seemed like everything was incredible I was on my way there was a deep dissatisfaction within me still and the change of pace I just I went with it I said okay I'm gonna come home I'm gonna take care of my dad and just figure this out so it was extremely painful and I that was a time where I was also really um, substance I was self-medicating basically um, marijuana, I felt addicted to marijuana, and they know that there's no scientific chemical right. dependency, right. but there can be an emotional one, sure. and, and certainly that's where I was at. And um, What do you think it was? Were you just trying to mask reality in some ways, yeah. or, or all the, the, the everything Hope. you were going through? Yeah, yeah. I, I was just trying to escape the deep pain at that time, although I did start, the habit was a lot, started a lot earlier for me, and I think it came out of, um, well, for, it came out of socializing, but it became a habit, I think, due to um, an undiagnosed case of ADHD. Mm. And I became an honor roll student, and all these different things um, that seem, were seemingly positive came about at the time, but there was also a lot of guilt, sneaking, and negativity that, w that came attached to it as well. So. I don't recommend it to anybody, you know, to start smoking pot on the street for ADHD or self-medicating in general is, is it's, you know, anytime you influence your, your body chemistry, it should be a well-researched, very um, precise thing. From a doctor. From a doctor. <laughs> right. From a doctor, right. yes. Or, or from a really strong insight spiritually. I mean, sure. I, I believe that we all have direct communication with God and I think that ultimately that's you know where all knowledge and wisdom should stem from but it takes time to get that communication going to really know for sure um, so I digress so the um, spiritual stuff came once I kind of basically hit rock bottom my father passed away um, were you in the same house yes same house I was I mean I was administering all his medications it was me and him until about the last two weeks. We had a good family friend come in, and we had hospice care. Um, but yeah, that was a wild time. I was just so lost, and it was very painful. Can you talk about some of your conversations with him in those last yeah. couple of weeks? Oh my gosh, wow. Um, you know, it's hard to say. It wasn't like he was so, um, he was trying not to show me how much he was suffering. And I was trying not to watch him suffer. So even though we were close, there wasn't a lot of heart to hearts going on. He was on a lot of medication. Um, so I feel like, you know, earlier on in his treatment, we had a little bit more to share and it was always an unspoken understanding that he and I had 
And I think that's why he allowed me to be his caretaker. He knew we, we've always had such a special bond. And he knew I wasn't going to press him or be in, his, in the space that he needed. Um, but he knew I would be there. And he knew he could count on me. So we kind of just were able to just be and just love one another for where we're at. We, I remember one time um, he was in a wheelchair at the time coming home and I had noticed there was um, sh a, sh a meteor shower. Got home and I was like, I called him Boppy. Boppy, there's a meteor shower. It's like 11 o'clock at night or something, midnight. I was like, come on, come on, come on. Wheeled him outside. Awesome. That was something he always showed me was we appreciated the stars together. And um, so that, that was a nice memory. That's wonderful. Yeah. Tried to play some music for him, you know, because that was always something wonderful. But honestly, it was a little too much for me to be totally present. If I could do it all over again, it would be so different. Um, and, you know, in making the, the last days of his life a, a bit more um, interactive. But. And what would you do just for others that might be listening in a similar situation? What? Yeah, um, I think that I would have, you know, just tried to expose him to what he loved the most. And I don't, and it's tricky because, you know, he wasn't one who liked to bother anybody. He wasn't feeling his greatest. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, it just depends on the person. But I would have done more of the things that he loved. I would have been more present. I certainly wouldn't have been self-medicating. And I would have allowed myself to really just be in the moment. I see. Yeah. I think that is the biggest thing. And from there, then other f more fruitful things would have come. Sure, sure. Yeah. But I'm sure he appreciated yeah. every moment that, that you were there as his primary He did, and yeah. I felt that for sure. You know, I knew how much he, uh, he, I mean, boy, my father was my biggest fan, and he was a manager in a way for me. You know, he was always trying to connect me with this friend he knew that was played music or this photographer that, you know, um, and so when he, when I left my career and everything in New York and put everything on pause, I can only imagine how hard that was for him. Knowing where you were taking your, your career. Yeah, yeah, yep. And, and he didn't ask me. I, I offered to come because I knew that's yeah. what needed to happen. And, um, but it was, it was such a gift that he allowed me to be there. Sure. Yeah, I really appreciate just seeing him and you know, hearing his voice and being the one, and we kind of have always went on shenanigans, you know, just even even though it was like to radiation or something, there was always jokes, there was some sort, some quirky thing to chuckle over. Mm -hmm. so, right, right. Yeah. So after that time, what, what did you do next? Oh, well, I spiraled downward and then, um, I moved out, I got my own place, first time living on my own. And, um, and I was just, I just got extra, extra lost. And um, I met a man who was in the music industry and I thought was, you know, going to help me just as a friend, as, you know, a partner, as a manager maybe. I just wanted someone to guide me and take care of me. And I thought that he was the one 
and we dated for six months and we were married six months later and things progressed really quickly and it turned out to be a really unhealthy relationship. Um, very emotionally, psychologically abusive and um, and in that relationship I, you know, in and out felt suicidal, mm. felt trapped, I felt just like where is the help that I need? I felt um, a, a, like um, a prisoner to addiction. Um, I wanted help. I didn't know where to go, how to get it, and I wasn't being supported. And I was disconnected from my my original network, just learn, not knowing who to trust at that time after losing both parents so quickly, so young, and again, not having the spiritual foundation because I do think that that would have absolutely made things different for me. But it was part of my journey, it was all part of the journey. So I eventually hit a point where uh, my son was one year old and I was in despair. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore, I need help. And I, I literally was on the floor, cried out to God, and I felt God responded immediately actually. I was sobbing and a friend called and it was just the, the timing, just it was, I knew Too it wasn't, right, yeah, right, it wasn't right, an accident. Right. And then, um, and from that point forward, I think that was the, the turning point in my faith. I had nothing left. I felt so disparaged. Is that right? Disparaged? Yeah. And, <laughs> it is. Um, and, and then and I felt the response. I felt a surrender and I felt a response. So I kept going with it. And God literally led me to, um, the women's SOS shelter. Um, one day I was driving, my son, my friend was watching my son, and I just heard a voice like internal say, drive here, go to the shelter. I n hadn't even ever considered it. And I just did. I just had nothing to lose. And, um, and it was, that was another pivotal point because they understood emotional, the psychological, domestic violence that's not physical. There were times in my relationship where I would pray that he would hit me, just please, so that I could say, look, help me, this is what's going on, or that it was, so that it was even obvious to me. Mm -hmm. And I could say, I'm not going crazy, or it's not just the weed, you know, no, this is real. But in talking to um, the counselor at the women's shelter, she knew exactly what I was talking about. Pulled out this diagram, the wheel of power and control, um, you can look that up online, and it just describes your typical characteristics of an abuser, which is all about power and control. And, um, and it was like, check, 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 and I couldn't believe it, and there it was, the proof and the reality. And so that strengthened my faith in just having these nudges and then following through and seeing doors open up for me, hope start to shine in front of me and um and so i just i just kept going <laughs> i just kept going i started going to church um i found a great christian church locally um, southern tier family life they were amazing um and then um you know so i went down the christian faith and started to learn about jesus and you know found um, a lot of truth and hope and great wisdom in the bible and in studying and learning about jesus and then um I uh, experienced a house fire. So I left my ex, I lived in the shelter for two weeks um, with my, with my one-year-old son. Whew, 
that was an intense time. Just praying every day, reading the Bible every day. At the shelter? At the shelter. Okay. Yeah. So before you continue, if you don't mind, would you say that you hit rock bottom before this point? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. And now you're trying to get yourself up and out of this situation. Yes. So you get led to the to the shelter. Yes. You're there for a couple of weeks yep. with your one-year-old. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you're on it. Thank you. So I'm there and feeling grateful. I'm feeling like I just, I'm, even though I'm not in my home, which I purchased with um, my inheritance, I bought, you know, I was still paying off a mortgage, but that was my investment from my inheritance. And I just walked away. It's like, I have to get out of this situation. I was scared for my life. You know, there were some threats. My ex wasn't happy about me leaving and some other things in our relationship. And um, so there was some threats on the line. And I was just like, God, you've got this. And I felt grateful. So I'm there. They're helping me to get an order of protection and hopefully get back into my home. Um, which my ex would not leave. So, um, you know, prayed on this, kept the walk of faith, had the court date for this or, um, protection, order of protection, and it was like just one, two, three, easy peasy. The judge said, this is what's happening. You've got the order. You are going to get back in your house as of this date. So it was like, wow, that was... Turning point. Another turning point, and I had said at that point, I don't, Lord, I, either way, I trust you. If you don't want me back in that house, that's fine. I'll be here. I'll just going to follow you each step of the way. And in that surrender, there was so much peace. You know, it's not like I could have controlled it anyway. Right. And, um, and then it turned out to, to work out that I was getting back in my house, which was great for my son, especially. Sure. He had pneumonia, too, at the time. He ended up getting pneumonia while we were at the shelter. It was intense. So if you can, Ayana, talk about surrender, what it, what it really means. We hear the word. Yeah. And I don't know if many people have actually been to the point where you were at that, at that stage to, to have to surrender. Yeah. And then really surrender. Yeah. So there's a difference in my mind between thinking it and actually doing it. So there is. It, it sounds like you absolutely did it. Can you absolutely. explain what it means to really surrender? It means that you have to, honestly, it really just boils down to being completely in the moment, being completely in the here and now, knowing that you don't know what's going to happen next you can't control what already happened. All you can do is be your best self in the present moment and, and try to make the best decisions. Um, you gotta let go of the outcome. That's what I was just gonna say. You can't do it to try to predict your outcome. Right. You can't do it to say, because you said, I'll trust you either way, whether the order is I'm in the house or I'm not in the house. Yeah. And that, to me, that's the full surrender of, okay, I'm going to go with what, whatever happens. It was, and the peace that I felt, even in this moment of, of extreme hardship, was, it was indescribable. It's just, what a relief. 
how much we, and, and it's a daily process for me too, still, but you know, to have that experience to go back to is wonderful, to remember what it feels like to really surrender what we cannot control, and that was actually one of my father's greatest um, quotes. He, he was um, an AA, and there's the um, serenity prayer, and gosh, I see if I can even recite it now. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Wow. Powerful. It is powerful. And that acceptance of this is it. This mm -hmm. is where I'm at. This is my life. This is what's happening. I can't control everything. This is bigger than me. And having faith at that point and starting to, you know, God just really, I really feel that um, God's grace, you know, wasn't like, you know, when they, the, the, the phrase, he, he doesn't give you what you can't handle, that's what I really felt like. I felt like each step was, he was carefully preparing me to then be in the situation that I was in and be able to endure and, um, and then and continue to, to, to grow fruit from it. Right. You know, not just endure and remain suffering. He gave me peace mm -hmm. in the midst of the storm. And I don't think that that was conscious. That was just a gift that was given to me throughout that time. Wow. So you get back into the house, and what happens? I get back into the house. Um, I actually had a two-family, that one side was vacant. So there was a woman at the shelter who was just had a baby, and I allowed in a five-year-old son, and I, I, they became my tenants, so they moved in. And life was seeming, you know, I was trying to figure it out again, one day at a time, figuring out what was going on, what I was going to do. And um, the night of December 4th, going into December 5th, um, I, w so the morning of December 5th, I was woken up by my smoke detector going off and my house was on fire. And it was actually one month to the day that um, my ex was removed from the house. So just one month of being, to the day of being back in the home, it caught fire from the back porch. And uh, so yeah, smoke detectors going off near my son's room. Uh, he's sleeping in his crib. I just, I see the smoke coming in, which was kind of another amazing part was that it, it felt like the smoke was just guided directly to my smoke detector. So my whole house wasn't filled yet. And it, it, which was just another blessing. Grab my son, no shoes, no coat. We just head out the door, go across the street. I turn around and the whole back of my house is on fire. My tenant is on the front porch roof screaming for her life. And I have no idea at this point where her children are, the baby, the two-week-old infant and five-year-old son. Oh, so it was, it was horrific at first. Um, they were rescued, so the neighbors called. It just, she actually managed to call. Um, she managed to get her kids and get out the room, the bedroom, onto the front roof porch, and um, and then you know from there, you know we just I just sat there and watched the house burn. So <laughs> did the firefighters get, were able to get the kids? They were. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. So the kids, she got the kids. Oh, they she were did. All they on were the all roof. on the roof. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then they were able to get them down, and they took them, to, you know, to get evaluated, and they were okay, praise God. 
everybody was okay. And that was, you know, all that I right, cared about. Right. The stuff was stuff. And there was a lot of history in that house. My grandmother, my mom's mom, I took care of um, after everybody had passed away. She had been living by herself in New York City. So she lived on that other side hmm. of the house. And um, she, and which is why it was vacant. And she passed away um, in the house as well. Found her one day. That was tough. So the house burning, it was almost like another level of surrender. It was just start, a fresh start in a way. It I was, was just going to say that. And, you know, at the time, I didn't quite see it that way. Mm. At the time, it was simply surrender. I was just, I, there it is. It's on fire. Oh, you know. But I, everybody was okay. I had my baby. I had support. It's all that That's mattered. That's all that mattered. It's all that mattered. And I did not go a day without anything that I needed and more. This community, I love Binghamton. People talk smack about Binghamton. And I myself, as a, as a teenager, you know, I graduated from Emmy and I was like, I am never coming back. I went down to the city, I did my thing. God had other plans for me. And I love it here. I love the community here. We just uh, experienced an outpouring from the entire community. And um, I had great insurance, little did I know. Another gift from God because I was pretty ignorant going into house home ownership. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I was, you know, we were just taken care of. And it was just, I just had nothing but gratitude. There was really not, not much fear, a little trauma. I did, there was a little bit of trauma. It was intense, but I knew we were going to be okay. And we were. And we got into a beautiful house in Endwell that we rented um, and just started over. And by Christmas, we were in our temporary home and um you know christmas tree i had gifts for my son and again just friends and community the lost dog played a huge role they uh, i used to work there and i used okay. to sing there regularly okay so they allowed people them to be like a drop-off hub people to drop off things for us and wonderful it was, community a pulled together. It was amazing it was amazing and how, how how many years ago was this Five years, December 5th. Okay. So we're coming on, in four more days. Yeah. Woo! Woo! Yeah. yeah. It's definitely, um, but I just kind of, I got to tell you, it was just such an amazing testimony. Like that experience in my life was just one of the greatest spiritual experiences that I've had. Just walking in complete and utter faith and feeling blessed feeling love, receiving so much love and support where I, before that, I felt so alone and isolated and, uh, you know, just in such a dark place. I, I quit smoking. I, I stopped any type of chemical um, self-medication whatsoever. Um, that began before the fire. That was like when I was really, when I left. I was like, I'm on my own. I'm fending for my son. This is, you know what needs to happen and I was able to do it. So do you think this was maybe an aha moment in your life? Is this a time where you took control? Yeah. And didn't go back to any of those yes. other ways? Absolutely. And I will say, you know, when it comes to domestic violence, it's a hot, uh, a tricky topic because you, you know, on one hand you have an abuser, but on the other hand you have what seems like a willing victim. Mm -hmm. And I will say I never felt like a victim. Maybe when I, when I was in it. But as I started to come out and looking at it now, I 
while his, tr you know, treatment wasn't acceptable, I was also doing things that wasn't acceptable. And, and the bottom line is, is that I was tricking myself into believing I didn't have the power and control to make a change. And we, and that is what I feel is sort of the um, MO of the devil or, and some, some people refer to it as Cal or just the negative forces. Mm -hmm. it's, it's trickery. It's not that I always could have walked out of that situation. I always could have quit. I didn't believe it at the time that I had it in me or I needed to maybe gather some other tools. And for me, bottom line is I needed God. I needed that relationship. I knew of God. I didn't know how to have a relationship and active communication and, and working back and forth relationship with God. And once I found that, that, that gave you the strength. It gave me everything. I didn't need my parents anymore. It was okay that they were gone. It was okay that, you know, I, I didn't necessarily trust people around me or family. Like I had the one thing that I could trust that I knew was with me wherever I went and was real. And I just saw that pour out into other people as well. And I did feel supported and it was just, it was amazing. So, man. But it also sounds like you took what I call extreme ownership yeah. for yourself now. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That's You had the support of your faith, but, but you I also, mean, you made the decision internally to say, I got this. I got, I needed to walk the walk. Mm -hmm. Nobody could do this for me. And my choices are my choices. We all, a thousand times a day make choices and the consequences are ours they we have are, to own them we have to own them yeah we have to own them and once i started to own that um my life changed so Go tell figure. us about that so how since that time and it doesn't happen overnight i no, guess no no but how, what how does your world look different today than it did <sighs> five years ago oh my gosh you tell <laughs> <laughs> just a little uh, my life is abundantly blessed i um oh my gosh i just it was me and god and it wasn't so it wasn't just me i did my best i put my best effort forward and then god did the rest i got a house um i live now in a home that I was able to say, here you go, thank you, have a nice day, now I have a house. Um, it's beautiful, it's everything I could have wanted and then more, like I couldn't have imagined it. And the way that it all happened, so divinely orchestrated, it's just beautiful and it's exciting to live that way. Like music. Like music, being in the moment, and it just, it's creation, it's evolving. Every, and every choice, you know, decides how it's going to turn out and the lessons that we learn through it. So it's incredible. So I have a house now. Um, I feel safe now. I've, I found, so through my friend, so this is about the time that I met the friend who taught me Hugh. Okay. Um, his name is Lawrence Elder. He's a local um, professor at BCC and BU, plays piano. Great. Yeah, awesome, awesome, wonderful guy. And, um, you know, it was then that, that was sort of the next step because in him teaching me Hugh, there became another form of practice for me, a spiritual practice. 
And then I started to go to the Nature Awareness School in Virginia, which was um, where he had learned you. And there was just another, um, just <laughs> incredible um, teachings that I learned there that have really continued my growth and reinforcement. And in doing it consistently, doing the exercises, spiritual exercises consistently, which a lot of it is kind of just makes sense, you know, the practices, gratitude and various things, discernment, there's a lot to it all, but um, you, you dive deeper into those things and through that and my efforts. That's key. I have to make, no, you just, otherwise nobody can do it for you. Right. I had to make the effort. So I actually make the effort to go to Virginia every few months because I find so much good in that that stems, helps me with the rest of my life. Um, and in my efforts in staying focused in God. And it helped me um, to, I discovered my ADHD. I just, and I you don't know, like to label, but to put, you know, I, it's a struggle. At times I've learned how to cope with that better now. I have an awareness, mm -hmm. a self-awareness. Um, my jobs, my singing career, I'm here on uh, American Real TV, you know, just, unexpected happen in just a walk of faith my I'm in a new relationship a loving relationship um, I love my job I'm a teacher I teach music I teach I'm a mentor in a way as well um, my my relationship with my son has improved all although this morning was a little rough <laughs> we have our moments but you know the lows of my life will never be as low as they were then Life is a mixed bag in this, in this world. You know, it's, it's good and bad. When you learn to accept that and choose the good as much as you can. And I believe if you choose to have a relationship with what is bigger than all of us, and however you define that, that abundance flows. And it is, it has been flowing for me. And it's not always easy, but it's beautiful and it's exciting and it's, it's wonderful. So the only thing I could compare this to as you're talking, so your life from the fire and pre-fire till today yeah. is almost like someone learning how to sing, right? So mm. you, didn't, you don't really know much, but you go through the training. Yeah. You stay yeah. consistent. Yeah. You you go to your training. So you you've been training for life, just as an athlete or a singer or who, whatever yeah. talent it may be trains. But it doesn't stop there. You have to continue to go back for that training. So you keep going back to Virginia. Right. You keep improving yourself. Yes. And that's what yes. you know. That's why we're doing this. Is we. It's good for me to hear this because it helps me become a better person. It's good for people that are watching and listening so they so. can become better people. So what you went through, your struggle, you're helping yourself, but you're also helping lots of others. So yeah. that's what it's all about. It is. That is what it's all about. It's a receiving and a giving of love, bottom line, yeah. and truth and growth. We all seek the same thing ultimately underneath all of the human glitches and oh, the world and the strife that we're in 
there's just a beautiful soul that wants to give and receive love. Yeah. No, and I think in a relationship with our Maker. A- absolutely, and we're we're at a we're at a pretty unique time. Anyway, right? I mean, we're living in the greatest time ever in the history of the world. And a lot of, you know, if you turn on the news or, you know, there's a lot of negativity out there. Yeah. So if you want to go down that road, you certainly can. And you can be caught up in it and it can be a negative world. But it's just as easy and your mind doesn't know the difference to live in a positive world, Mm -hmm. to to do positive things, to improve yourself, to improve others that are around you, be a yeah. mentor, and I could just feel the energy from you that yeah. you're living it. I am, Roger, and you too. I mean, this this project, what a beautiful project. Well, look, we can't do it without guests like you. We can't tell stories. We can't do this if I'm just here by myself. So it takes two to tango, so to speak, yeah. no pun intended. Yeah. And and we, we spread the word. So yes. it's all, you know, it's all for a good cause. But it is, you know, we're living in a, an incredibly wonderful time. Yeah. We just have to turn more people onto the positive thought process. It's an enlightening time. Just like I had to be brought down to my knees to start to see the hope that was always there. It's kind of like what we're going through, I think, as a nation and in the world. Times were kind of, you know, stuff's being stirred up and brought out from under the rug. And it's a term that um, Dell t- likes to use at the school. And it's great because when you look at it that way, you're like, okay, it's cleaning. Mm-hmm. It's positive. Sure. You know, you don't, you don't want to keep all that stuff underneath. So it's coming out. And it's pretty ugly, it's smelly, it's dirty, um, it's messy, but it's looking at the truth and trying to turn it into, uh, to make it better. I fully agree, and it's, you know, it's necessary. It, it's yeah. the only way to improve on anything is to learn from the way it shouldn't be, right? Yeah, so, mistakes. so even, mistakes you know, whether you like our president or not, whether you like, you know, the, 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 political systems that we have in place. Yeah. All this is happening to bring awareness yeah. so we can make it better Yeah. for progress. I agree. I agree 100%. And it is, you know, working in the schools and, and, and seeing what, you know, a lot of our youth are going through and things, and it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. <sighs> but, you know, the hope is, is that in little by little, in one person, one smile, one positive action at a time, and through a relationship with the divine, something that is so much bigger than all of us and bigger than the world, that there is a way. There's a way to heal, and there's a way to live abundantly and in harmony with one another, as yeah. different as we all may seem. Right, and you know, I, people have to be willing to accept others. Yeah. No one's perfect. No way. No. So, um, if you were to pull out your cell phone 
and call the 20-year-old Ayana. Mm. Any advice you'd give her? I would tell her not to worry. Stop worrying so much. Be present. And seek God. Seek God first in all that you do. And everything will be okay. That's what I would tell her. Great advice. Yeah. Great advice. So what's next for you? What's happening with your career? What, Ooh, what, okay. what can we expect? So um, career-wise, the, there's several careers going on here. And that's good. Y yeah, yeah, it is amazing. Um, I feel, you know, like there was a, yeah, question mark, because it's all pretty overwhelming. It's like, you know, you do get what you ask for. <laughs> and it comes in big <laughs> ways, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. So I'm in a season right now of working really, really hard um, on my teaching career. So, um, I'm teaching um, elementary school chorus uh, for the Binghamton City School District, and I'm also teaching sixth grade chorus. And my first concert is going to be a week from Tuesday. Great. So, I'm thrilled, I'm nervous, I'm all that stuff, but again, trying to just stay in the moment and say, you know what, God put me here, He did. I feel absolutely that all my career choices at this point, since, since the fire, like if you want to have a mark, for the last five years, I've really just tried to be led. And just said, wherever you want me to be, I will go. I don't care about the money, I just want peace and I want purpose. And the money is starting to come, the work is starting to come, <laughs> and I mean, it's been there, I haven't been starving. Um, and. Uh, so, so hopefully, you know, in, uh, in the teaching, there's so much purpose. And having music as a vehicle is yeah. the coolest. I teach privately also. I have my own school, Del Valle School of Voice. Great. That's a lot of fun, one-on-one uh, -on -one stuff, you know. And, and that's, I feel like, you know, a ministry in, in a way. So. Different age, age ranges? Various, or? yeah. I've had um, as young as eight and as old as 58, I think. So if someone's interested, what do they, what do, they do? They can go, um, just Google search my name, Ayana Del Valle, or Google search Del Valle School of Voice. It looks like okay. Del Valle. We'll put a link in there as well. Awesome, yeah. awesome, yeah, and just contact me. Although right now I'm looking at probably summer for new students because I'm so booked, jam-packed. It's, it's awesome. And then, so we have uh, the school. So we got the school stuff. And which is growing me big time, and the um, the singing stuff is a, a little bit more sporadic. I've got a regular um, gig that is um, going to be like every it's going to be once a month at the number five restaurant. Great. It's a Billy Holiday themed okay. thing. As um, the owner there, he loves Billy Holiday, so a Billy Holiday project coming up here. I think our first performance is in January. It's, I gotta confirm some dates. I just got the message two days ago. Okay. So that's coming up, and um, I'm writing. I have you know a studio in my basement, and I um, I work on songs here and there. It's tough to find the time all the time, but when I'm inspired, something comes up. So I've got some originals I'm working on, um, some arrangements I'm looking to collaborate. So Great. anybody out there that is looking to work with me, I'm. I'm trying to, you know, it's, my bucket list has always been to have an album. 
I've made several recordings in various genres, and I don't have an album. It's killing me. So you'll make that happen. I'm going to make it happen. Yep, and in God's timing. I've surrendered the timing, but it will happen. It's going to happen. It's going to feel right. It's going to feel organic, not forced, not for the purpose of being a successful singer. I've kind of surrendered that also, and yet I still find myself growing and reaching my goals of success as a vocalist as well. So mm. who knows where it's going to go? Certainly in my heart, you know, I want to perform for masses because it's such a great platform to, to give love and yes. to receive love in a way for me too. I mean, not that it's love, but it's connection. And if I can give something to the masses and doing something that I, I love, I mean, I am a bit of a ham. I love to be on stage and perform. It's, it's great. Um, so to be able to do that still someday is, is absolutely a dream of mine. And I think it'll all happen. I'd love to have a school of the arts um, that, you know, is something that helps students that I'm not, I'm not going to go too deep on that vision yet. It's still in the works, but I do still want to um, bring music and education and enlightenment to students, just whether you have, you know, money or not, basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I could I could see it happening. I could see it already. Thanks. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. So when you're I'm curious about um, original writing, yeah, and what takes place with that. So do you are you do you have a theme? Do you have an idea? when you said it may come to you and then you just start writing, what, yeah. do you hear the music, what, what's happening? Um, so in the songs that I've written so far, it's always sort of just been a moment of inspiration. And the music typically comes to me first, and then in a couple of lines. And then from there, it just, it, it grows. And then I find chords to go along with it. And then, and how um, do you find them? What do you what piano? Okay. Yeah. Right. So I play piano, um, but I, I don't play out usually and accompany myself. Um, it's more just for your own purposes of of writing, writing. And, yeah. and practicing mm -hmm. and Wonderful. supporting my students and stuff too. Sure. But yeah. So um, and from life experiences, I have a song called "Another Day in New York City," and that's um, on my website ayanad.com. And that was written on the balcony of, you know, 32nd floor in the Bronx. Cool. Just what I was going through in life. I always try to put a little hope. There's always some hope of something in, in my songs. That was before you moved back? Oh, yeah. yeah so gosh, isn't that great that you have ago. that, you have that song that you wrote in a period of time that I'm sure when you sing it and you, when you hear it, it brings you back to that it time. It does. Yeah, it does. I mean, I'm, I'm on the balcony right there right now. So cool. Yeah. That is cool. And think about it like that. Remembrance is something we try to, you know, I've, I've been taught to focus on remembering, yeah. you know, the important experiences in life. It going is. back to that because it serves as a great tool when you're not in the best place. Right. And even if that wasn't the best time of your life, it's part of what Journey. made you who you are today. Yes. Yes. So that's great. Yeah. Great. And what else? What else is on the horizon? Um, well... Right now, that's about as far as I can see. That's a see. lot. Um, you know, I'm foreseeing, so, you know, some more recording. That's for my performing career. That's what I'd really like to do. I've got a song. I have two songs now that I think are ready for production. 
that um, are just kind of awaiting the proper collaborations, proper timing, proper financing, okay. all of that. Um, but I have a great manager on my team now. Excellent. Yeah. That's, that's been, important. I'm juggling so many things. Yeah. And it is, you know, it, he's made a huge difference. He was a student of mine and, you know, an adult. He has his own business and then turned out, um, you know, he started performing and doing other things. He started performing in a, he went from singing karaoke at home and occasionally, you know, at the bar here or there to now being in a men's choir. Good for him. Loving it and managing me. The tables turned. I was like, wow. you know, he believed in me and, and my voice and what I was doing and saw that I could use a hand. So that's great. It's awesome. So I think you know, little by little, more is coming to the table. We'll see. And American Real, we're starting an academy to teach yeah. people different skills. So there might be a there might be a connection there that we could collaborate on in the future. I saw that. I, I d it definitely sparked my interest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I'll send Jim to the class. Okay, <laughs> great. Well, Ayana, this has been a great conversation. It's Thank been great you. to get to know you through this conversation. I'm sure we're going to, you know, uh, see each other and become friends because yeah. we're in the same community, of course. Yeah. Um, but before I let you go, I always ask the guests one last question. And that is, ultimately, because you're still very young, what do you want your legacy to be? Mm. I want my legacy to be that of faith and love, bottom line. In the most simplest terms, I would hope that people, when they see me or think of me or talk about me, whether present or whether it's after I'm gone, it was that I demonstrated, I would have hoped to have demonstrated love and what it looks like to have a relationship with God, I hope. That's wonderful. Well, you are a shining light. You have an inspirational story. Uh, I believe you may even sing a song or two for us. Yes. So I'm really excited to do that. Thank you. But uh, welcome to the American Real family. Thank and thanks you. so much. Thank you. Stay tuned as Ayana sings for us a couple of songs in a cappella. Thanks for tuning in to American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv, or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review, as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. At American Real, we're on a mission to help as many people around the world fulfill their dreams and obtain their goals. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one -on -one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy, where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. And speaking of podcasting, 
our next course will be starting soon. So if you're interested in launching your own podcast, join me and podcast your passion. I'll take you through my eight-week course where I'll mentor you to build a world-class podcast. I'm only taking on a small group of people who want to share their passion through broadcasting, where I'll have you up on iTunes and YouTube within weeks so you can podcast your passion. Click on the link below for more information. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Uh, this is one of Ella Fitzgerald's classic renditions of Blue Skies. Acapella, per request, from my friend Michael. <laughs> I think it's very apropos from today as well. Blue skies smiling at me, nothing but blue skies do I see. Blue birds singing a song, nothing but blue birds from now on. I never saw the sun shining so bright, never saw things going so right. Noticing the days hurrying by, when you're in love, my, how they fly. Blue days, all of them gone, nothing but blue skies from now on. Nothing but blue skies do I see, yeah. Blue birds singing a song. Nothing but blue birds from now on. I never saw the sun shining so bright. I never saw things going quite so right. Noticing the days hurrying by. When you're in love, my they fly. Blue days, all of them gone. And nothing but blue skies from now on. Some people live for the fortune. Some people live just for the fame. Some people live for the power, yeah, yeah. And some people live just to play the game. Some people think that the physical things define what's within and I've been 
there before that life so bore so full of the superficial and some people want it all but i don't want a thing at all if it ain't you baby if i ain't got you baby some people want diamond rings and some just want everything but everything means nothing if i ain't got you yeah some people search for a fountain promises forever yours some people need a dozen roses and that's the only way to prove you really love them hand me the world on a silver platter and what good would it be with no one to share no one who truly cares for me and some people want it all but i don't want nothing at all if it ain't you baby if i ain't got you baby some people want diamond rings and some just want everything but everything means nothing if i ain't got you 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 some people want it all but i don't want a thing at all if it ain't you baby if i ain't got you baby some people want diamond rings and some just want everything but everything means nothing if i ain't got